number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each week we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we provide you with a three-hour oasis of rationality in the desert of insanity, which is the American cultural and political landscape. In hour number three, we've got, as usual, plenty to get to. I believe we will have time for an update on the quest for my wife to get pregnant with our second child. Uh, this is an interesting update, Leah Brandon. I know you'll you'll want to hear it. <clears throat> um, uh, although <laughs> it's not great news for me, but not most, most of what happens in my life is not good news for me. Uh, but uh, hopefully the listeners can get some enjoyment out of my misery. Um, but you know, uh, you know, we mentioned uh, star athletes with uh, notorious reputations uh, that uh, have either sort of endorsed, not really endorsed, or Trump has just flat out lied about them endorsing him. One person that even Donald Trump may not want an endorsement from and certainly cannot speak at the GOP convention because he'll be in a prison in Nevada at least until next year is O.J. Simpson. And we've talked a lot about O.J. Simpson on this program. It's incredible how many different shows, documentaries, and the the FX uh, docudrama, the series that they did earlier this year, and now – ESPN, ABC starting last night. A eight. I, I don't know what's going on. What's 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 going on? It's an eight Have hour. Run out of subjects. No, I'll explain. I'll, I'll explain. Happy to explain, as always. Uh, but they're just so people know. There's an last night on ABC, not ESPN. I thought this was odd. Maybe they just didn't have anything else to put on on Saturday night on ABC. But they they took the first two hours of an eight hour documentary. Although I guess. Minus commercials is not quite eight hours, but it's in the ballpark of eight hours. Uh, two hours last night on ABC. The rest of it will be aired this week. Um, might even be ten hours actually, because it's five parts. I think. Anyway, it's 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 massive. It's massive. However long it is, commercials, not commercials. It's unbelievably long. Uh, it's a documentary on O.J. Simpson's life. And to answer your question, uh, you know, we we've kind of referenced this before. Seventies celebrity it's 70s celebrity and in the you know once we got into the cable television era it's very very difficult for any story to resonate so loudly that it sticks in our consciousness forever well oj had 70s celebrity because that's when he became a, a professional football star he was a college football star in the 60s won the heisman trophy in 1968 started with the bills in the 70s and, of course, the trial occurred, the, the killings occurred 22 years ago tonight. As a matter of fact, literally 20 years, two years ago exactly at this time, yeah. O.J. is probably going to McDonald's with Cato Kalin to create a, a, an alibi for the murders. Uh, that's, that's, I think that's, if I remember the timeline correctly, we're right around, we're right around there. And in about, in about an hour, he will have killed uh, Nicole and Ron, 22 years ago, exactly. And so in 1994, 95, obviously, is when this story becomes huge. That That's a story that anyone who's alive at that time will never, ever, ever forget. And so it's an easy one to go back to because everybody, unless you're under the age of, say, 25 or 30, you automatically – you're already educated. You're already interested. It's 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 pre-approved. It's it's very easy. 
you don't have to educate anybody about the nature of the story. We, we talked about this before with regard to why the changes in the news media allowed for Donald Trump to steal the GOP nomination. Because all you got to do is say Donald Trump, and most people are going to keep their eyeballs on the television because you already you already know who he is. He's, he's got a hundred percent name ID. No one has to be explained to about right. you know who the hell this is. When you say O.J. Simpson, it's easy. I don't we you know we don't have to explain anything about O.J. Simpson to to our audience. People know who O.J. Simpson is. They know the basic story. And and so this this documentary started last night. And one of the reasons for those who do not know why Leah Brandon and I talk about this quite a bit is that. Uh, on my tombstone, you know, there's not going to be much put on my tombstone because my wife will be in charge and she won't really care that much. But if 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 I have anything to say about it, um, by far my most underrated achievement, the mark I have made in this world, is that I played and Leah helped a small but significant role in O.J. Simpson currently being in prison. Correct. And we've told the story in great detail. Most people don't believe it when we first tell them. Um, but if you don't believe hey, it, 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 it was on. Uh, was it Access Hollywood or Extra? Which yeah, it was one, one of those. That was that, they were there for the video of us disrupting O.J. Simpson's autograph session. It's an incredibly long, involved story. But if you don't believe us that we're partially responsible, just ask the guy who was there in the hotel room in Las Vegas that O.J. was convicted of stealing his stuff. Albert Beersley, who's flat out cuckoo for Cocoa Pops, uh, completely insane, but a nice guy, insists that it was the John Ziegler show on KFI when Leah Brandon was basically my co-host at that time. It was our efforts that created the domino effect, which c caused O.J. Simpson to end up being convicted uh, of those charges in Nevada and why he is currently in prison and hopefully will be there for the rest of his life, although he is eligible for parole uh, next year, so that is. Yeah, I'm afraid my, that he's going to get out too. He, well, that is probably another reason why we're seeing a lot of these yes. things now. It's Correct. almost like we're we're setting this up for what happens next year if he, in fact, does get out of prison. Which I I think you're right. I think there's a reasonable chance that he will. All right. So with all that said, um, I know you saw the documentary last night, and uh, I did as well. So I, I want to talk a little bit about about this, the O.J. documentary, as well as this entire issue now, uh, 22 years almost to the minute after O.J. Simpson, an American hero, uh, brutally killed two people for which uh, he would never be convicted. This is the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. If you ever have trouble sleeping, do yourself a favor, folks, and listen up. It might just change your life. I know it had a big impact on mine. I'm talking about using my pillow. You may have seen MyPillow's owner, Mike Lindell, on their TV commercials. Well, MyPillow is fit just for you, the kind of sleeper you are, on your back or your side or how big or small you are. I love MyPillow, and my wife and daughter use theirs as well. Obviously, a good night's sleep is a life changer. And now's your chance to take advantage of this special offer. Buy one MyPillow, and we'll give you one for your partner for free. Don't waste another night on bad sleep. Life's too short. Call 800-871-1827. That's 800-871-1827. Use the promo code JL for the John and Leah Show for your free pillow and start sleeping better right away. Call 800-871-1827 or go to MyPillow.com and be sure to use that promo code JL for two life-changing pillows made in America with a 10-year warranty, all for the price of one. That's MyPillow.com. 
Broadcasting.com. 22 years ago tonight, O.J. Simpson killed two people. He got away with it because, uh, well, because black people thought he was a black guy when actually he really wasn't. Uh, that's one of the themes. Nor did he want to be one. Right, which is one of the themes of a massive, epic, highly acclaimed documentary which began on ABC television uh, last night. Um, again, just for context, not only... Uh, did uh, Lee and I play a small but significant role in why O.J. Simpson is currently in prison in Nevada? But as a kid, it's, it's funny, we were playing uh, Holding Out for a Hero. O.J. was one of my heroes. He was my favorite football player for uh, several years in the 70s. And uh, then uh, after he, he committed the murders, which was obvious that he was guilty from the moment we heard the yes. basic facts, anybody would From ever... the Bronco chase. Well, way before the Bronco chase. I mean... <laughs> All you no, were... uh-uh, no, no. I did not want to believe it. Okay, well, I did not want to believe I, it. I loved OJ, and I knew I will. I will never forget because I was uh, playing in a golf tournament in Ohio, and you know this happened on Sunday night, and there was the, you know, the next day because it happened so late, there was this this tiny little blurb, like it was clearly uh, it put in at the last second in the USA Today that said. Wife of O.J. Simpson and a friend murdered at her home. And I'm, I, I'm, I swear to you, I'm like, oh, my God, O.J.'s a murderer. I mean, because there's no other explanation. I mean, that's the Oxum's razor blink reaction. Uh, now, of course, I wanted to wait for some real evidence and facts, and it came in immediately. And it was, I didn't want to believe it either, but, you know, I, I didn't. Uh, but I, and I still did not really fully believe it until he went missing. Well, okay. Well, you're, you're tough to convince sometimes, but uh, <laughs> it was obvious to me well before then. And uh, anyways, but after that happened, I was a sportscaster in North Carolina. I got fired from a job as a TV sportscaster for making a joke about his lack of innocence during the trial, which uh, if we had lived in the Internet age, then I would have been uh, infamous, even before I became infamous <laughs> to the extent that I am. Uh, but no one ever heard about that because it was 1995 and there was no Internet then. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then oddly enough, I moved to Los Angeles, uh, where you and I do a show on KFI in Los Angeles. I end up uh, for a short but significant period of time dating Kim Goldman, the sister of Ron Goldman, who O.J. murdered that night. And you and Kim end up sitting together at my wedding. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. I love Kim Goldman. All right. So, so clearly we have a strong connection to this case. So I'm very curious, what did you make of the, the part one of the documentary, Leah? You know, I... First of all, I don't know why this is on. The only reason I watched it was because I knew we would be talking about it. And they're just trying to make it's all about, um, you know, how great he was and how he was so worshipped. And mm -hmm. the only thing that I saw really um, that was anything other than nothing but praise for him 
was his friends looking at him going, man, who are you? And the fact that it, he kind of reminded me of Sarah Palin, the way you've described Sarah Palin, in that he became this character they as it. opposed. Right. Yes. He yes, became as the case, he, he became, really was. You know, that's a great analysis. I hadn't thought about the Sarah Palin example, but you're right. I, because, you know, I have had a, a relationship with Sarah Palin, did a movie uh, effectively about her. And I see a very close relationship or a good comparison there because what O.J. did was he realized what white people wanted him to be. Yes. And he decided to become that person because he knew it would give him fame and fortune, which is what he wanted. Mm -hmm. which is very similar to Sarah Palin and the conservative base. Sarah Palin was not who she currently is, but she became the character she was made into by the news media because it was good for her fame and fortune. That's an outstanding right. uh, comparison and analysis there. And, and um, look, as a guy who has made three documentary films myself, I found it frustrating to watch because the resources they had were enormous. I mean, my God, the, the, archi the archival footage they had, you know, most documentary filmmakers could only dream about. I mean, it was, it was just tremendous material to work with. I will 100% agree with you that they went overboard on how amazingly good he is. Now, I get that this is a, an incredibly long documentary, and so therefore maybe I'm not being fair because if you're telling the guy's life story, he was an amazing football player. No question yeah. about it. But what what sticks in my craw is, obviously, as a guy who has a website, you know, the framing of Joe Paterno, you're not allowed to say anything good about Joe Paterno anymore. Nothing. Right. And Joe Paterno didn't commit nothing. nothing. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't forget about killing anybody. He didn't commit a crime. He didn't get, get charged with a crime. He was a prosecution witness in a story about a former assistant football coach who I believe was actually innocent. So it's insane to me that you're, you're allowed to praise O.J. on national network television in prime time, not for 30 seconds, but for an hour, an hour of nothing but, oh, how wonderful he was in every possible way. You, you're not allowed to say one word of praise about the career of Joe Paterno anymore. So that was you know, something that I felt was incredibly hypocritical, especially since ESPN is the producer here, and ESPN would never let you say anything good about Joe Paterno because now Joe Paterno is suddenly uh, the devil. Uh, as far as revelations, I agree with you. Not that many revelations in part one, although maybe they're starting slow because they've got to acclimate the audience to, and especially the under-30 crowd, as to who he is. But there was one revelation, Leah, that I, I don't know if you'll remember this or not. I have a, a rather strange theory that involved O.J. well before he killed anybody uh, with regard to the nature of his physical prowess and the nature of his athletic ability that dealt with homosexuality. And I could never fit O.J. into my theory. And it turns out that O.J.'s father is gay which yeah. has never been documented before, and I want to explain why that's potentially significant when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Yeah. 
If you ever have trouble sleeping, do yourself a favor, folks, and listen up. It might just change your life. I know it had a big impact on mine. I'm talking about using MyPillow. You may have seen MyPillow's owner, Mike Lindell, on their TV commercials. Well, MyPillow is fit just for you, the kind of sleeper you are, on your back or your side or how big or small you are. I love MyPillow, and my wife and daughter use theirs as well. Obviously, a good night's sleep is a life changer. And now's your chance to take advantage of this special offer. Buy one MyPillow and we'll give you one for your partner for free. Don't waste another night on bad sleep. Life's too short. Call 800-871-1827. That's 800-871-1827. Use the promo code JL for the John and Leah Show for your free pillow and start sleeping better right away. Call 800-871-1827 or go to MyPillow.com and be sure to use that promo code JL for two life-changing pillows made in America with a 10-year warranty, all for the price of one. That's MyPillow.com. The John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Talking about uh, part one of a uh, multi-part epic documentary that's been getting way too much hype. I mean, no, no documentary can possibly live up to the hype that O.J. Made in America has been getting. As a matter of fact, uh, Leah, I joked on Twitter uh, last night that unless Ron and Nicole are brought back to life and O.J. is put away for the rest of his life because of this documentary, I'll be disappointed. That's how much hype this thing has been getting. Uh, it's very well produced, enormous resources, incredible archival footage. I guess, and I think we're going to be on the same page here, I guess the theme of this thing, which actually irritates me the more I think about it, is that O.J. really wasn't black and culturally, even though he grew up right. black, he, he grew up black culturally. But then he but he didn't want to be. He didn't want to be. He basically got rid of his blackness because he wanted to be rich and famous, and yeah. and he knew that that was the the ticket to do it. He he basically knew what white people wanted. I mean, by I don't know what you want to call him, but by many, uh, you know, many people would call him an Uncle Tom. Uh, where he basically pretends to be white, gets rid of all of his blackness so that white people are comfortable with him. He becomes really, and I've often referred to him this way, the, the first black man fully accepted into white society as a celebrity. He becomes the, the first major black endorser. He makes tons of money, and then, of course, he marries a white woman. Uh, which I but think, he assaults her on the first date. Let's not forget that. Yeah, well, according to a friend, that's what happened. And, of course, he ends up killing her 22 years ago tonight. But, but what bothers me most about this theme, Leah, is that this is not new information. Okay? Nope. We knew this in 1994, 1995, when it might have been helpful. You know, thank you, ESPN, thank you, ABC, thank you, media, for now deciding 22 years later it's okay to tell the truth about what a flaming load of bullcrap the entire defense theory is, that somehow O.J. Simpson could have been blackmailed or, or he could have been framed for a murder he didn't commit. It's, it's beyond. It's just flat out ridiculous. It's, 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 it's absurd on its face. It's the exact opposite. 
He was a white man who's at, who got his ass kissed by the LAPD all over the place and by everybody in white society. He literally would have been the last person in the entire city of Los Angeles to have been framed for a murder he did not commit. That's not exaggeration. That's not hyperbole. That's a well, fact. And, hey, and look, Ziegler, it doesn't matter. It, he could have admitted it in the courtroom, but, and they would have let him go. But only because the narrative got set in the black community, largely by Johnny Cochran, that somehow this was a race issue, and that O.J. really was a black guy, and if from day one, if from day one the media had done their job, and the stuff that was in part one of that documentary had been broadcast 24-7, that when, whenever any hint of race came into this case, that it was completely ridiculous and totally absurd. I don't believe that would have gotten traction. I think Cochran, I think Cochran would have been afraid. I think he would have been afraid to be humiliated because if the media had done their job, he would have been embarrassed. He would have been embarrassed to try to raise the race issue on behalf of the last guy on the planet who deserved to be getting a free pass for murder because of real injustice done to other black people while he betrayed his own race all to get rich and famous and have sex with white girls. I mean, that Cochran would not have done it if the media hadn't gone along. And the media went along out of cowardice and because they wanted a good show. That's what the media wanted in this case. They wanted a show. They wanted to pretend, like we're going to see similar with the Trump-Hillary race, the media is going to pretend this thing is close because they need a show. Well, the media pretended maybe O.J. wasn't guilty. You know, it's possible O.J.'s not actually guilty. They all knew he was guilty. But that would have killed the show. And so they allowed Cochran to put on the, the show, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, which is what that trial was. So that's what, as you can tell, I don't think you, just, you caught on to this. I'm a little irritated by it. Yeah. The, the, the fact the more I think about it, the more irritated I am. Because Yeah, but, I mean, look, I, honestly, Zig, it, I don't think it would have mattered. It, it would not it, have it, mattered because not, this was payback for Rodney not, King. Leah, it, it needed, and it was payback for everything needed, else. And it was, Leah, it needed to get traction. No, it, no, it, it didn't. Would, yes, it nah. did. If Look, OJ, it's still to this day if, if, going on. Now, if O.J. had been portrayed properly by the media at the beginning, mm. that, that, that entire narrative would never have gotten traction. All right, now, there's one other real quick thing I want to mention about the documentary, and I, I do this against my better judgment, but I just think it's funny. You probably don't even remember, since you don't seem to remember much that I talk about, although we have never discussed this on this particular version of the show, but on our KFI program back in the day, KFI in Los Angeles, I, I once articulated my what I refer to as my, my macro-focus, micro-focus sports theory. Did you have any recollection of this, Leah Brandon? I don't know. Continue with whatever, whatever it okay. is, and I'll see right, if I do. Here's the incredible – this is this shows I have a lot of time on my hands. But yes. for a long time ago, before O.J. Simpson ever committed these murders, I found it odd. I, that there, there seemed to be a difference between the nature of athletes who were expert at micro-focused sports as opposed to macro-focused sports. Mike, for the purposes of definition, like a micro-focused sport is like golf, baseball, okay, um, tennis. There's one ball, it's a small ball, the focus is all on the ball. 
that you don't have to worry about anybody else around you. You get it? Okay. okay. Yes. Now, now, I found it odd that, for instance, in those micro-focus sports, you never see anybody who's homosexual in baseball, golf, or tennis. Now, at least it's known on the male side. But on the female side, golf, softball, and tennis, you see a lot of lesbianism. Now, there could be cultural <laughs> reasons for that. There could be cultural reasons for that, all right? Correct. We but, don't know for sure, but on appearance, okay. No, but there could be, it could be, there could be something you know, the way the mind works. Or it could be cultural or it could be both. But that got me thinking. So I started thinking about who are some of the great athletes from a macro focus perspective? In other words, seeing the world around them, being able to see everybody all at once. And there were a lot of very good athletes, especially in a certain, you know, in, in this particular time period, who were tremendous from a macro focus standpoint. I'll give you some names. Uh, Magic Johnson knew where everybody was on the court at all times. Isaiah Thomas. Uh, point yes. guard for the Detroit Pistons, same deal. Walter Payton, tremendous running back for the Chicago Bears, like he had eyes in the back of his head. Wayne Gretzky, same deal on the on the, the hockey ring. The, the great one. He knew where everybody was at all times. Uh, uh, Joe Montana, same deal. Uh, from a from a larger perspective, you got figure skaters, who obviously there's no ball in figure skating or in ballet. Uh, they're, they're amazing at being able to relate their body to the overall surroundings in, in a way that, you know, I could never even conceive of. Now, as I started to think about this, I'm realizing a lot of these guys have one thing in common. They're rather effeminate and maybe gay. Like, I, I'm convinced Magic Johnson got AIDS from, from homosexual sex, and no one will ever be able to convince me otherwise. <laughs> uh, he once kissed Isaiah Thomas on the lips. Uh, before a playoff game. Walter Payton's nickname was Sweetness, and he died in, of a mysterious disease that no one wants to define. Um, Joe Montana, I don't know if he's gay, he's got a hot, hot wise, but he's, he's, he and Wayne Gretzky are in the same category of very soft-spoken, Wayne hot wise, very effeminine guys. They're, they're, Wayne Gretzky and Joe Montana are effeminine guys, all right? Figure skaters and ballet, ballet guys, almost all gay. But there was one guy who had an incredible macro focus. I could never, ever figure out how to place him in this theory. And that was O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson absolutely had macro focus. He knew where everybody was in the field, eyes in the back of his head, much like Walter Payton. But clearly, no way, shape, or form an effeminate guy, not, not, no, you know, no way, shape, or form seemingly gay. Well, we found out last night that his dad was gay, and that O.J. knew this. Now, does this prove anything? Absolutely freaking not. And this, and this story, this theory might be completely full of crap, but I found it to be rather interesting that the one part of my theory I could never make work because I couldn't figure out how O.J. related to it. Finally, but it still doesn't work. It only works in relation to a relative. Well, are you saying... I'm saying here's here's you know I'm being somewhat joking about this, but there, there, if there is a seriousness about it, I do think that there is. I I believe that homosexuality, especially for men, is mostly nature. All right, I'm not making a pejorative analysis of that. I don't care. I don't. I I, I frankly think that all men 
are I think it's I believe in the percentage theory. All right, I, I don't think you're 100 percent or zero percent. I think you're 10 percent, 30 percent. I think people that are in the 40 to 60 percent range that that's where it can go either way. It depends on it can, depends on nurture. How you're nurtured will depend will determine whether you're gay, straight, or bi. Uh, and I think it all goes to the way the mind works. And you have certain abilities, certain things that you're good at, things that you're not as good at, but because of the way that your brain is designed. And something in the way OJ, that, you know, the way OJ's brain was designed allowed him to do things in the football field that very few of anybody else, maybe other than Walter Payton, could ever do. And it's something that I have, I've, been, I, I've described as having an amazing macro focus. Well, I think it's an interesting coincidence that the guy who was his father, the, the guy whose seed O.J. came from, happens to have been gay. Uh, I also think, by the way, that that had to have had an impact on O.J. Simpson's life. As a, as a black man in an era where that was not looked at fondly. At all. At all in the black community. I mean, still really not. Right. So I, I think that I'm not saying that that in any way, shape, or form explains or any, any, any the stratosphere gets him off the hook for killing two people. But I do think that that absolutely had to have played a role in why he wanted to be loved so much. Uh, that when he, when he, when he, knowing that his dad is gay, I think absolutely had to have played a very significant role in his, in his psychology and how he developed. Um, and it was interesting. That was that was really probably the only major significant revelation that had never been fully documented before uh, in last night's um, for part one of OJ Made in America. All right. So uh, when we come back, uh, I need to give another update. Uh, this is basically our last segment is becoming the when is Ziegler going to impregnate his wife segment. Um, so uh, we'll and talk how and, right. and the intricacies of how it's happening. Right. So we'll explain the uh, an update on that when we return on the John and Leah show. If you ever have trouble sleeping, do yourself a favor, folks, and listen up. It might just change your life. I know it had a big impact on mine. I'm talking about using MyPillow. You may have seen MyPillow's owner, Mike Lindell, on their TV commercials. Well, MyPillow is fit just for you, the kind of sleeper you are, on your back or your side or how big or small you are. I love MyPillow, and my wife and daughter use theirs as well. Obviously, a good night's sleep is a life changer. And now's your chance to take advantage of this special offer. Buy one MyPillow and we'll give you one for your partner for free. Don't waste another night on bad sleep. Life's too short. Call 800-871-1827. That's 800-871-1827. Use the promo code JL for the John and Leah Show for your free pillow and start sleeping better right away. Call 800-871-1827 or go to MyPillow.com and be sure to use that promo code JL for two life-changing pillows made in America with a 10-year warranty, all for the price of one. That's MyPillow.com. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. That's where tomorrow morning you'll be able to get the podcast for this entire program. And uh, right now, you, if, if you haven't gotten enough John and Leah, you can go there at the end of this program and check out almost uh, an entire year of podcasts. 
at freespeechbroadcasting.com, both on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, final segment here, I want to take a few minutes to update you uh, on our quest, my wife and I, our quest to uh, have a second child. Uh, I do this partially because this program is uh, largely devoted not just to the news of the week, but also to the events of our often bizarre lives, but also because I hope that in my misery, maybe the listeners can uh, feel better about their own lives. Uh, the, uh, the Reader's Digest version is that we have one child who just turned four, my wife is convinced that her fertility is about to run out and has now uh, decided that we needed to we need to do absolutely everything possible to get pregnant again. Uh, I uh, have gone along with this because I think it would be good for our daughter and also good for our marriage. Yes. Um, it might be the only hope long term because <laughs> after Grace, our daughter, leaves for college, you know, we're, my wife and I are going to look at each other and go, all right, now what? Um, not that that's the reason why you would have a, a child, but my wife desperately really does want to have a second child, and I don't even think she fully understood how important it was to her. She certainly never told me, uh, which would have been good information to have uh, a couple of years ago because now she's going to blame me for the fact that we waited too long and, and her fertility may or may not have run out. So uh, as I mentioned previously in this program, we, we are now doing the full-court press uh, she's undergoing hormone therapy, and I guess uh, you know she's being inseminated artificially. Uh, and we basically the way this works, the way I understand it, the, what we're trying to do is you basically get three shots at this. Okay. And and after the third shot, if it doesn't work, there's a, a it falls off a cliff as far as its effectiveness, and so basically it's not even worth trying because it's rather expensive. Each each month is is a fairly large expense to try to make this thing work. So we did the first month, and I described in this program the process of getting my sperm uh, to, to the doctor. He did it at home. Well, <laughs> well, look, I mean, it... Now, normally, that's the place to do it. However, it, in this the case... The whole thing was so incredibly awkward. I didn't want any more awkwardness. Uh, and, and, you know, look, I, I'm allowed to do whatever I want with my sperm because that's the only thing that my wife has any uh, pride in me at all because the doctors have raved to her about, <laughs> uh, about my incredible sperm count. Uh, apparently I'm in the top, I'm a one percenter with regard to my, my sperm count. So and I, you think I'm exaggerating. I honestly think if I had lousy sperm, uh, my wife would have divorced me at this point because – uh, she would be so furious at me uh, yes, for all for, your fault for all of, well all of this. But but here's here's specifically why she'd be so pissed off. So so we tried it the first time and we found out this week that it did not work. Oh, and um, so now we're down to basically two shots left. It's basically <laughs> three strikes and you're out. Um, so the first strike and of course you know my wife is all hopped up on hormones and so now she's you know, particularly emotional because of the circumstances of the fact that she's now being convincing herself that we're not going to be able to have a second child. And you add in the hormones and look out. Uh, oh, yeah, it, on the war path. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, the weirdness that uh, when somebody in prison is on suicide watch, they put them in solitary confinement. <laughs> 
which I'm like, okay, you want to have someone kill themselves, just put them in solitary confinement. It oh, does, sure. Does, so it's a similar situation where here my wife is incredibly depressed because she's convinced she's not going to have a, a second kid, and oh, by the way, they're giving her massive hormones to further further oh her, her emotions. It's, so it's a nightmare. And so now, so now it gets worse. So now we're trying to figure out what we're going to do first, you know, the second shot at this. And as it turns out, uh, we're going to have to try it again on, it looks like, June 23rd, which is next, is next Thursday. Well, okay. here's the problem. June 23rd is the date I have to go back to Pennsylvania for this bullcrap preliminary hearing for the charges I face for doing absolutely nothing at a Matt uh -oh. Sandusky event. Now, my wife is already furious about that whole situation, and understandably so. Mm -hmm. uh, but you add in the fact that now it could potentially disrupt uh, our second attempt to, to try to, to uh, get pregnant. Um, now, you know, if it wasn't for my sperm, she would be off the charts. But because, yeah. I, apparently, because of my super sperm, <laughs> which I, of course, have nothing to do with, but thank goodness I have something going for me. Because of my super sperm, I'm able to get off the hook here because apparently my sperm is good enough to be able to be frozen. And <laughs> so, so, so thank God. Thank for, goodness. Thank, no, seriously. I mean, if, if I had lousy sperm and I was going to miss this second attempt to go back for a preliminary hearing for these bogus charges that I should never have faced in the first place, that, you know, the, which are completely and totally... It's just flat-out ridiculous. Um, I, she would kill me. She, on the hormones that she's currently on, she would kill me. And frankly, I might not even, you know, blame her that much for that. Um, but because of my super sperm, uh, we apparently are going to be able to dodge the bullet, and I'll be able to freeze my sperm. And then while I'm gone, uh, she will, will give this a second shot. Um, you're laughing. I, see, see, this is the point. You, you're, you and the rest of the audience are supposed to feel better about their own lives through my misery. Have I succeeded in that? Absolutely. And let me just tell you that there was a time in my life when I did a daily feature, daily feature called Learn from Leah's Mistakes. So, hey, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, <laughs> on the serious side, um, you know... It's starting to look bad. So I mean, okay, it, it, it's only been one time. Let's not worry. Okay, freeze your sperm. Go to Pennsylvania. Get that all cleared up. I'm thinking third time's the charm. Yeah, if we go to the third time, boy, it's going to get nerve wracking. Because uh, boy, oh boy, she's not going to take it well. Um, all right. Well, on that happy note, Leah, as always, thanks so much for your time. Thank uh, you. Thanks to the audience as well. Till next Sunday. I'm John Ziegler, podcast at Free Speech Broadcasting tomorrow morning. So long, everybody.